Welcome to another episode of North American Deer Talk, where the fusion of facts and opinions become the education and entertainment for all. This is your host, Josh Newton, and we have another great show for you today. folks welcome back to another episode of north american deer talk this is josh newton it is may 20th we start off the show with pretty much the same thing every time and i know it's like a terrible way to start a a podcast um but that's with the weather so it is uh it is pretty warm out here today for north central pennsylvania um 80 seven degrees um that's a that's a, a cool temp for the south hot temp here um at least for this early you know we we get those into you know july but it's uh not something i'm accustomed to quite yet after coming out of winter so a little bit of shock or we're supposed to be getting some some warmer temps for the next 10 days uh not a lot of rain and i don't i don't necessarily mind the the not a lot of rain because it's pretty good for fodding season. Uh, however, I, I do, um, I have some, some plantings, you know, we overseed every year and I want those to be, you know, I want those to be pretty good. Uh, anyway, wanted to hop on here and, uh, just have a, a, you know, a quick chat, so to speak. I haven't done a show for a little bit. You know, I like to, uh, like to chat with y'all. So before we get rolling, I just want to uh, take a quick opportunity to tell you about PV2 and EV1. And those are the two vaccine products that we we have. And we're just kind of, you know, even though, you know, some of us haven't had fawns or we're just starting to have fawns, uh, it, 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 it's a reminder to me, and it should be for you as well, to make sure that you you know, are ready for fall, right? And you're ready for weaning time. You're ready for your, for your fall doses. So those, uh, the PV2 is a, a pneumonia and abscess based product that has pretty much coverage for all the, uh, really major, uh, pneumonia bacteria that we deal with in cervid. And then the Ecovac is a, an enteric based vaccine. So a digestive, uh, based vaccine, which has multiple, uh, E. coli and a clostridia type A. Thank you for listening to that. So um, we're just winging the show today. I don't have anything really specific picked out. Uh, I do want to talk some some fawns and, uh, you know, we'll call it whatever, fawn care, fawn management, et cetera, kind of how we go through the day-to-day of what we do here. And um, if you want to take a look at some of the specifics of that, uh, check out the Instagram page. Uh, just type in Servid Solutions in Instagram. Um, I usually do some posts over there. Um, I do a lot of like quick videos, um, either, uh, the, the series called the daily ramble or 
you know, who knows what you're going to get out of me that day. It's usually pretty brief. I think we posted yesterday. And, and, and if you get on there today and you, and you look and you're like, I thought you said brief, you know, it's a, a 10 minute, uh, 10 minute video. I apologize. I was just, I was, it was early in the morning. It was cool out. I was in the shade. I was staring at my deer and, um, I was talking some, some genetics and stuff. So I apologize for that. Most of them are under five minutes. Um, and then there's the, uh, the tip of the day, how to live the deer farmer life. And that goes through all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. And as we, um, as we get into, you know, fawning more, um, there'll be lots more of those, uh, tip of the days up there. Um, so check that out, check that, uh, the servant solutions, Instagram page out. Uh, I wasn't a big, uh, Instagrammer, right? I think that's what they, they call people. I don't know. Instagrammer, people that use Instagram. Um, but, uh, it's a, it's a cool little app and, um, you know, it's, it's all pictures based. So everything's pretty visual and, um, you know, we do some, some videos on there, so it's, you know, we can put out some, you know, either fun or, or let's just say educational content. So check that out. Um, okay. So, uh, I guess the, the, the bulk of the show, um, like I said, it's, it's fawning time, right? So we, we just started uh, having fawns here. We had our first fawn, uh, May 8th, which was, uh, a little early, right? So our, our due date's not for, I don't know, whatever, um, a couple days, um, and that was, uh, more of a surprise to us. Now that was a, um, a product of our embryo transfer program that we did. Um, and that dates back to 2015. So in 2015, I had, uh, three does here that we attempted to do uh, flushing on two of them were not mine. And one was mine. I think that's how it was. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we, we attempted that for the first time in 2015 and the doe that we had selected happens to be Roman's mom. Um, and I, you know, I, I, 2015, I knew that at the time, but I, I didn't know that I'd have to see how old he was. Um, I think they were yearlings that year. So I, I wouldn't even know. And he wasn't, he wasn't anything but a, a big bodied brute at that point. He didn't have much for for headgear, we didn't see that um, that really nice uh, four by four frame and long tines till he was he was two. Um, but he had a nice. He actually had a, a, a womb brother um, who had like a nice flat laid out look. He damaged one side, but he was he was actually what I thought prettier than than Roman at the time. Uh, but both those boys were uh, over two hundred twenty pounds. I think Roman was two twenty six as a yearling. Um, so they were big, you know, they were just big, big bodied animals. Anyway, at the time that would have been, she would have had, um, an Artie, I think maybe an Artie son. No, he was the year after. She had a nice, really nice Bucky son. We bred her to wilderness Bucky and, um, just a really, really sharp six by five. Um, not Overly big, but uh, two, I think he was like 205, 207 at three. Um, very clean. Couple, couple extras, maybe a split brow or something like that. Uh, but overall, you know, mostly frame. So, um, and she had 
consistently demonstrated that she's very calm in the facility. She's incredibly calm in the shoot. Uh, she'd literally go in there and just chill, right? Like she'd like run into the shoot, you drop the floor and she'd just sit there. Sometimes she, you know, if she didn't have her head underneath the, the door, we have a, a junior handler. If she didn't have her head under the door, uh, she would turn around and, you know, be like, here we go again, right? And uh, and roll her eyes and be like, do what you got to do. So that was one of the, the selection criteria. And she she stuck all her, you know, all the artificial repro work that we ever did. She always had babies to that. Um, so she was a good candidate to, to try it on. Um, we ended up breeding her with already male semen that year. Now, had I known... You know the the old the old adage hindsight's twenty twenty. If I would have known today, what I would, you know, what I know, yeah. <laughs> if I knew today, um, back then, what I know now, right? I, I would have bred her with female semen. Uh, we're fortunate we have a couple arty daughters out of her, but like, I'd like some more does out of her, um, and she, I don't think she is going to fall in this year. And, um, she just, she's looking old. So, um, not, not sure exactly what I'm going to do with her yet, but it's not, um, I don't know. I just, I don't think I'm going to get more offspring out of her. Um, which is kind of a drag. It, it makes me sad because she's one of my favorite does. So, um, I, I, I'm ha I'm happy, right? I'm happy that we got those those male embryos or what we thought was male because we used male semen. Um, so we we put those in one dough. Yeah, we put those in one dough in 2015. So we flushed them out of her, had other do surrogates synced, um, and uh, she didn't take. Probably she was good. She was a good AI candidate, but. Um, apparently not for, for embryo transfer. So be it. So as I, as I go through the years, you know, I know I have, I got three grade A embryos in the tank out of her, um, from that already cross. And I'd been meaning to put them in, put them in, put them in. Right. So I get, I get, uh, you know, to the point this year where, I'm like, I just got to do this. I want to use those things. And, you know, we've been using a calling a lot more. So taking does out of the herd by, by force, right? Like killing them, calling. Um, and I had a doe that I was planning on calling out. Excellent. <laughs> so counterintuitive, right? Excellent doe throws above average bucks all the time had a stud son uh at arty but she's just inconsistent in the body confirmation she gives uh in her in her uh bucks like they're 50 50 more like their dad but she's pretty potent about throwing like shorter squatty deer now she's 160 pound doe you look at her you're like oh she's stout but she's short and i don't want short deer all right so I'm um, um, consciously making an effort to select those animals 
and pick what I feel are better ones. So I have females out of her, you know, maternal doe line that have not lost their stature. They've been big, you know, as many generations back as I can go. So I think we're on seven now and they're all big. Um, and she's like gen five. I think she's a gen five from our original Cordo. And, you know, it just, she got, she came out short and squatty. So I don't want her anymore. Well, she's really consistent about sticking to AI. She's a great mom and she has good carrying capacity. So it's not uncommon for her to have triplets, right? And I'm like, perfect. Instead of calling her, I'm going to sync her up and I'm going to pop these embryos in, get them out of that tank, see if we can make some, um, some babies out of Roman's mom, right? Bonus, bonus. Anytime you get, uh, you know, offspring out of one of your your cordos is a good day, right? Okay, cool. <clears throat> so we do that, um, and everything seems to go really well. I see this this surrogate mom starting to bag up, and um, she spits out one buck fawn on the the eighth, and I'm like, whoa, that's it's pretty early, right? Um, cool, right? So we get we get a buck fawn. Um, so that was our first successful embryo transfer. Um, when you when I look at this in in retrospect, and who knows what this buck's going to be, right? So I had a full brother, <clears throat> same cross. Uh, I bred with them. I have one maternal offspring line. Yep. Uh, so it's a second generation um, out of that already Roman's mom cross. And then when I did breed with him, I bred him to, I think he bred like four does. And uh, two of the two-year-olds were like, I don't know, they were nice, 250, 247, 256, something like that. And both were like big, wide, framey things. They had plenty of extras, but like they were lookers, right? Like the, the ranches were like, yeah, nice deer. Um, and they brought they brought good money. Not the exact kind of deer that we we are working towards, but you know, for our industry, they're they're prime. Okay, um, so who knows? This guy may may be worth it. But when you look at the cost analysis of that whole procedure of the AI and the sex semen and flushing and the you know uh, surrogates and all that, like it's probably a loser um, until you get that percentage dialed in and you're talking about higher end breeding stock. So, um, you know, you might ask like, Hey, why'd you do that? Well, I do think that, uh, long-term and I, I, I continue to my, I, like evolve my, my thought process on, on embryo transfer. I think long-term that it has, uh, some validity as a really powerful preservation tool for, um, for, uh, people to, you know, expand their, their genetics, right? Um, on the female side, you know, we can do that now by, by using semen in the box. So, okay. So there's, there's that. Anyway, those are the first fawns of that bath. Um, and then we just, we started having some here, um, you know, quite, quite recently. Um, the, I guess, you know, how we, I'll, I'll kind of run through how we kind of manage um, our our day to day, if you will, and you know maybe it's uh, 
maybe it's something of, of value to you. Hang on, let me close these uh, close these tabs out so we don't get interrupted by um, by people. Sorry about that. I uh, I'm 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 working I'm working live here, so you have to you have to bear with me on uh, on what's what. I apologize. Sorry. Sorry if you're listening. I'm I'm jumping all around my office, shutting things down. I forgot to forgot to do that. Like I said, I just wanted to get on here and chat with you. Okay, so the day to day of of uh, fawning here, fawning at a, a facility, um, deer facility. So for me, you know, doing my pen checks in the morning. Um, is really a an important thing to do. So how do we do that? Well, first off, we have to look at how your pastures are set up for fawning. Now we're fortunate. So this year we have uh, four main fawning pens, and then I have a, a doe fawn that I discovered got bred that I didn't think was going to get bred, but she was in the pen with a buck this fall and poopoo on me for not getting the doe fawns out. Um, Anyway, she needs to slide into um, into another pen, so I got to get her moved. I should get her moved this week because she she's gonna fawn soon, and um, you know I guess that's another another point we can we can look at. You know, it's May twentieth. She's gonna have fawns in the next ten day. That's natural cover, no cedars, no nothing. Um, I I I like the fact that she bred. Like I like that early maturation, and she's a she's a powerhouse doe um it's it's thunderstorm on roman's mom which is just awesome right it's cool cool pedigree um problem is is i had a a genetic project on my farm that i've been working on for a long long time and i have a like seven eighths brother sister cross that i'm doing and they're non-typical genetics they're some of the highest scoring genetics that we have on the farm and they're the last of that um kind of line that i've actually been pursuing you know bigger non-typical deer so like we're whatever 90 whatever 90 to 93 percent more we'll call it more typical we can debate what that is but it's just more of a classic deer right so these guys are not that and that thunderstorm roman's mom is certainly not that uh you know kind of big non-typical anyway i was i was due to some mechanics on the farm i had those my four doe fawns that i kept for incoming breeder uh, breeder does in this pen i slid this buck so okay so if you're watching on the video or excuse me if you're listening i'm, I'm using my hands i apologize so we got uh, uh pen five pen four and pen three the bucks are all in pen three the does are all in pen five the pen four sits in the middle the doe fawns are in pen four right there's four doe fawns in there so i slide the doe that i need from pen five into four through the back gate i slide the buck that i need i get him separated i slide him into pen um pen four from pen three no darting no nothing everybody's good i didn't remove the doe fawns till like I don't know. I'd have to look, but it was, you know, Thanksgiving maybe, right? And I was like, ah, oh, they're not going to breed, right? Of course, they're plenty big enough, you know, like they're they're big does, you know, they're 120 pound doe fawns, and uh, of course she got bred. I looked at her like a week ago, and I was like, 
is that a bag under there? Are you kidding me? Because I didn't, I didn't want her to get bread. Um, I certainly didn't want her to get bread to that book if she was going to do it. So lesson learned. If they're in there, there's a chance. And um, yeah. So anyway, I would have slid her over um, and put her in the pen with Legion because that would have been a, a really much better cross uh, as far as live breeding goes. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. I'm over it. So day to day on the on the fawns. Uh four fawning pens. I got three on one side of the road, one in the core part of the farm, and then I have that like kind of it's a smaller like overflow pen, if you will, that I use to to slide slide animals from my my fawns basically, give them some more room. Uh, one more bottle feeding. So I'm going to kick that doe fawn in there, and then I'll slide one of the mature does uh, in there, or a dry doe, or something like that. If I have, I got a doe that I'm going to pull. Anyway, <clears throat> so checking. Um, I have my my pasture. All my pastures for fawning are almost all open. Two of them have, you know, a. 10 or 20 foot, well, it's bigger than that. So like 30 foot section of trees, they're very spread out. There's enough light that grass gets underneath it. Um, so there's good, you know, there's good cover. Not that cover means anything, but like, it's not like heavy woods where there's no undergrowth. Um, and it's dirt. It's not, it's not like that at all, but it provides really nice shade. And on days like today, need some shade. Um, the other two pens are are, there's no trees, so there's artificial shade structures, shade fence and such. Um, they're all pasture. So I keep the pasture mode flat, like a yard. It's not quite that short, but like it's short. Um, that way, for the most part, if a fawn lays out in the grass, like in the open, you can see it driving by for the most part because pens are, you know, you can kind of, kind of peek in there and, and see them as you're driving around. Um, I keep grass strips. I talked about this at nauseum. I apologize if you've, you've heard this before, but it's, um, it's just, it's how we manage things. And I, I don't know if somebody shows me an easier way, then I will do it that way, but I haven't found one. So, um, given that, you know, everything's mowed flat, we keep a, we keep a tall section of grass, maybe four or five foot across, and it's pretty much the length of the pen. Those fawns will lay right in there because it's nice cover, and it's you know it's secluded. It keeps keeps them secluded and, and hidden and shade and whatever. Um, they feel secure in there. They just walk into that tall grass from the short grass, lay down, they're gone. So I just walk right next to that in the short grass. Um, what does that do? It allows me not to wear freaking four foot muck boots or waders every morning and and get soaked while I'm checking pens like I'm wearing you know normal boots um and not get my legs all all soaking wet right so that's a that's a bonus and people are like oh my gosh like are you kidding me no I'm not kidding you um I like to I like to try to do my my chores quick and, and be efficient about what I'm doing um and not have to change my clothes four times a day because I got saturated or covered in crap or whatever right and so that's how I check them. And 95% of the time, those fawns are laying right in there. I peek at them. If I see anything wrong, I can address it. Um, you know, they're good to go. Okay. I do the same thing at night. 
So I'll lock the pens at night, check the pawns, um, and, you know, make sure everybody's good. A lot of times I get the fawns up, right? I want to at least get the fawns up once a day and check on them, make sure they're good. Um, do a butt check, make sure that they're not real slicked up, there's no crap on them, flies aren't bothering them, so on and so forth. And I do that in all the pens. Now, it's easy to do when there's no fawns, right? Because you don't have to check the pens. Um, but as you get fawns in each one of the pens, that's how, that's how I do it. And, and over time, you're going to find places that fawns naturally gravitate to. Um, year after year after year. So in the one pen, there's a couple tree bases that have like two root structures that come across. So there's like two trees kind of, I don't know, four feet apart. And there's a, a, a two big root structures that kind of, they look like they connect. Swans like to lay in there. Well, I can see those from my driveway. So just drive down, peek in, psh, there's a fawn. You know, you can see the ears. Um, you can get the binoculars on them. And I, I've talked about this before too. It's incredibly important to have the best quality optics that you can possibly have, um, period. I don't know what else to say. Get you some Swaros, get some Zeiss, get some loopholes, get whatever, like us, you know, get some high-end glass. Um, I use mine every day, all the time. Yeah, they're two, three, four thousand bucks. It, do whatever you have to do to get them. They are, this is the best money I've ever spent. Um, trying to think. I bought a pair of, bought a pair of like Swaro Yelp 1042s. I don't know, 17, 1800 bucks. This was maybe 06. And I've been using like just cheap, you know, like Bush, some Bushnells maybe like $150 Bushnells or whatever. Um, the stuff you can pick out with those, and, um, you know, most of us are hunters, so, like, they having a nice pair of Binox is cool for hunting, too. But they are incredibly useful tools. Look at does when they're bagging up. Look at, you know, uh, fawns when they're walking around. Check out bucks, antlers, you know antler infections, look at sick deer from distance. Like you got to have some good glass for that. Um, super helpful. So get yourself some, some good binos. Um, I like the 10 by 42s. It's a good size. They're not super big or heavy and they, they, they do everything I need. So there's that. Um, anyway, so I'll, I'll get those, those funds, uh, checked out morning and night problems i can address it um so let's talk about <clears throat> and then we'll, we'll i want to keep this short and then we'll wrap up um let's talk about like day of fawning um identifying does that are going to fawn when you when you are are looking at your does each of them is going to be a little different right but there's going to be this this tauntness to their sides so they're just you know some of them are they look like they have like four bowling balls in their belly and uh, other ones are just more streamlined. And that's all, uh, that's all a, you know, a genetic thing, a quote unquote personal thing, right? For them, they're all going to be a little different and they're all going to act different too. And you know, over the years, you just kind of pick it out. Like you learn what some of the signs are, but pacing the fence, being aggressive towards other does, walking with the tail kind of, you know, cocked straight out. So if this is their butt, you know, that, tail just folds down you know it'll, it'll sit like this like it's like it's hard sometimes it'll just 
peg out like a flag. And um, those are, are pretty telltale signs. You'll see some um, swelling and inflammation around the vagina. It'll, you'll, you'll see it, um, kind of pink, it'll pink in, you know, cause like their back end's white. Right. So it'll start, it'll start like protruding out a little bit. Not, not a lot, but like a little bit. And then you'll get this, you'll see it looks almost irritated, but not like, like reddish, like, uh, like a rash or something, but just real, real pink. Um, and that uh, that swelling's an indication. So, twenty four hours prior to flaunting, um, I'm not saying every time, but they have a uh, their water breaks basically, right? So that the you'll hear this common term mucus plug pops, right? And you'll see this kind of uh, stringy discharge hanging out of their vagina. It's game on. If you see that, it's game on. Um, if, if you, if you don't, um, you'll see that tautness in their side kind of break. And what happens is, so those, those fawns, right? If you're, if you're, I'm sorry, I'll try to describe this best for those, uh, not on the video, but like those fawns end up lining up, right? So they're like, like this in the belly or like this. And we're looking front on at the toe or back on, uh, they get into, into alignment, right? So that, that water breaks so to speak and then instead of the the sides being tight and taut they get some some um restriction in there and kind of <coughs> excuse me you get a little saggy side and that's a that's a sure sign that they're gonna have bonds within 24 hours um the overwhelming majority of these guys are gonna do really good with no interjections there are cases where you need to step in. I'm not going to cover those today. Um, it's just it's it's not something that I wanna I wanna get into because it's a, a much more kind of in depth topic, and I'd rather have some notes to to share that with you guys. Um, so you come in, see a doe having fawns, just chill. Like don't get up on that thing. Uh, let them let them do their job. Let them you know bond with those fawns. Make sure those the biggest thing is getting those those funds you know mom cleans them up and they get drinks lots of drinks like you want them drinking a lot um that they need that colostrum in the first 24 hours something fierce and in the first you know four really um so they figure out how to walk mom does her thing she bonds with them and um you know finally she decides like hey it's time to get up some does will lay, lay with their fawns for a day like legit a day You'll have two fawns, and you'll see them, like, tending those fawns all the time. I consider that more of a, well, it's it's obviously a, a, a good mothering trait, and I, I really like that. Um, not something you see in the wild, right? So so um, some of those does, they, they're all business, right? And they see it coming, and they're gone. Like, they don't want you near their, near their fawns, and they, they hide them suckers. So they'll they'll take off, and... You'll hear them sometimes. They'll come running up to you, right? Even tame ones. They'll be like, oh, hey, you know, like distraction model, like pet me. And you're like, huh? Like you never let me pet you. Um, they do stuff like that. So, um, you know, take notes if you can on your does um, and and use that uh, use that advantage we have of, of 
of storing knowledge with uh, pen and paper or notepad or whatever, and just keep keep you keep yourself little notes on on how each one does. What are some of the things you see? And it'll be helpful down the road. Um, I, I think that's a you know a good a good way to uh, just to store some some personalities of each one of these girls and and things you saw. And you can make more informed decisions in the in the future based on some of that previous knowledge. And we see that in, in, you know, other, other things in life, right? Like history is a, a good educator. You can make much better decisions based on things that haven't happened, um, yet, but may. Um, so I think that, you know, that generally covers like the basic day to day. Again, I, I wanted to, uh, to come on here and just, uh, say hi, let you know that I'm, I'm still kicking. I haven't done a show in, in quite some time. Um, I do have some, what I think are exciting things for you um, in the coming months. And I am going to continue to try my damnedest to get on this microphone, talk with you about what I think are some important things. Um, and maybe they're, you know, maybe they're, they're farm topics. Maybe they're not. I, I do want to start covering more, um, big, what I consider like big issue things. So industry-wide things. What are some industry-wide things that you you say, Josh? Well, CWD is one of them. And some of the new technologies and uh, programs that are going to be available to us and why they're important and how I see them uh, working in the short to midterm and then, you know, long-term as well. So I want to do that. Um, I think those will be good discussions. I also, um, I also want to talk to some people in a more professional capacity and do some more interviews. I think those those shows are are interesting. I really enjoy doing them. Um, I get to learn things. I am very selfish in the um, knowledge area where I want the knowledge. So. Um, I do those for my benefit. Hopefully you can, you can benefit from some of those too. I think there's some really great people out there. Um, if you have some ideas on for, you know, some people that you'd like me to talk to, um, I'd love you to shoot me a, a quick message or something and just say, Hey, like this, I think you should talk to this person. It would be a compelling, uh, a compelling interview or conversation with them. And it's not, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a quote unquote interview. Um, you, you've, you've seen, um, you know, like myself and Jared, uh, Barry talk a few times, you know, like we just have a conversation. Like we ask each other questions. We, we pose different, you know, ideas and thought process. We make statements about certain things and, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a good deer farmer, you know, talk. When I, um, when I originally, when I originally started, um, I did my first interview in, in 2015 and the whole premise of, of this was I wish I could be a fly on the wall. And in, in that conversation, I've shared this, this story before and we'll, again, we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap up with this. Um, I just, I remember going, I remember going to, you know, a whole bunch of trade shows and, you know, you see people talking to each other and, you know, you, you're out with your, your buddies having some dinner or something and there's, you know, other people having dinner at other tables and 
you know, you just, I, I always said, like, wouldn't it be neat to be a, a fly on the wall listening to XYZ conversation, right? And and let's try to unlock some of the secrets of deer breeding, raising deer, management, AI. You can run through the gamut of things, right? And there's so many different aspects to this industry that I think are interesting and I really, I really, I personally enjoy uh, thinking about talking out loud about just experiences and and you know various topics that I think are interesting. Um, I'd love to hear what you think is interesting, and you know, hey, if you want to have a chat, man, I'm I'm up for it. We'll uh, if if we're not close to each other, which uh, nobody's close to me cause I don't live by any deer farmers really. Um, you know, I, I've, like I said, I've, I've chatted with Jared a few times. He's, you know, over two hours away. Um, but Hey, if you want to have a chat, I will, uh, set that zoom up and we will have a conversation. Um, I enjoy talking, uh, to different people about many different things and, and would, would relish a good, a good talk, uh, especially about deer. Cause that's, that's what I love. And, and that's why we're here. So with that, we'll wrap up. And as always, stay tuned for another episode of North American Deer Talk.